Welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. Today is part two of my interview with intelligence agent, medic, and combat engineer, Frank Gregory Ford, who had served in various branches of the US military for more than 30 years when he arrived in Iraq right when the war started. Barely three months later, he found himself strapped to a stretcher, drugged, and renditioned all at the behest of his commanding officer. Upon arriving in the US, he was accused of treason and espionage. Why? Well, that's the subject of Midnight in Samara, the true story of WMD, greed, and high crimes in Iraq, a book about Ford's mind-blowing discoveries that prompted an immediate and brutal response from his higher-ups in the US military most likely at the behest of others even higher up. The book was written with the help of Eleanor Cooney, who captured Ford's voice and experiences in an account so vivid, I couldn't read this book in one go. Reading it may radically rearrange your perspective on 9-11, the Iraq war, the US government, and the country's political leaders, who in this book would by a long shot win the title of Earth's greatest criminals of all time, if they were ever held accountable. Ford is with me to talk again about his experiences. Welcome, Greg. So Good to be here, yes. So today I wanna to talk about how the big guys make money during a war. So the, the first thing I'd like you to talk about is your incredible experience um, finding, having a source lead you to uh, $750 million and what happened. Could you talk about that? Okay. Uh, let me see if I keep this in sequence. The, the best way to put it would be, in, in my book, I, I have a reference to the Sheikh. And the Sheikh was the banker uh, of, in Samara, the city of Samara, and he was the uh, president of the Bank of Iraq, and and one of the one of the first things he did was is when he became my asset was that he he pointed me in the direction he said understand this you have to you have to make sure you get control of this person okay this person and I said well, who who is that and he said. Well, that is Ali Hassan Assad, Ali Hassan Assad, AKA Abu Sager. And, and of course, everybody's probably saying, well, who, who is this guy talking about? Well, this is uh, Abu Sager, of course, is the personal, was the personal banker of Saddam Hussein. And, and it gets a little more personal with this issue is that is that everybody knows Saddam Hussein and who his mistress was his mistress of course was somebody named was a beautiful young woman by the name of Sager okay well the thing was is Sager uh, as it turns out was the mistress of Saddam Hussein and also Abu Sager's daughter that's where the term comes from Abu and then Sager, father oh, of Sager. Okay. 
So what we have here is my source said, you've got to get control of this guy. He has all the money, okay? And he knows all the history of Saddam Hussein, you know, to include all the issues of when he became uh, the, the, the dictator, the premier of Iraq, and also uh, what his relationship was with the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency. So uh, I arranged to have a <clears throat> visit, we'll call it a midnight visit, to Mr. Sager. And we, we uh, showed up at Mr. Sager's doorstep at midnight, hence the name of my book, Midnight in Samara, all right? That's what it's in a reference to. So we showed up to Mr. Sager's off, uh, front door and we uh, uh, proceeded to, you know, despite all, all of the carrying on, uh, screaming and yelling, um, we arrested Mr. Sager and his wife. His daughter was not there, okay? Sager was not there. And by the way, Sager was the architect, the famous architect who designed all of Saddam Hussein's palaces. All right. So, so, and it turns out on the evening that, that I arranged for the raid on, on Mr. Sager's house, it turns out that, that the daughter had gotten wind of the raid and she had left for Austria. And I mentioned this because she, she left for Austria that evening and she took about approximately two and a half to $3 billion with her on a plane loaded up to Austria. Vienna. Was it a private, was it a private plane? Th th that still remains to be seen. I mean, billions of dollars. That's, that's some heft. That's hefty cargo. <laughs> You're telling me, and, but the, the best is yet to come okay. because I, I had put, the notice out, okay, uh, through our intelligence cycles that yes, she was on the way to take that. Actually, the, the rumor was it was more like $7 billion that, that uh, the two um, Iraqi sons, okay, the two son-in-laws that had defected, okay, a, a, few, a couple of years before, well, that money was returned that's what one of the uh, the situations that Sage, you know, the, the mistress had arranged for was the return from Jordan, from Jordan, Amman, Jordan, re return of that money to Saddam Hussein. And at that point, uh, the money was was given to Sage, the mistress, uh, Abu Sage's daughter, to uh, to take that money and deposit it in in uh, the Bank of B Bank of Austria. And so, yes, so that information had gone out. Everyone was on the lookout for the daughter. And, 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 and at that point, when I arranged for the, for the uh, uh, capture of, of Abu Sager, I was given, given the word, given the notice 
that the daughter was probably going to return to try to forcibly um, rescue her, her parents from the Americans. So, uh, so then we were in the house of Abu Sager and I said, okay, you know, the whole, the whole place was being swarmed with soldiers and everybody was pointing guns at everybody. And I, I talked to Abu Sager myself and I said, sir, we're going to take you as you might imagine. And he said, yes, I was expecting you. And he said, we're, I said, we're going to take you into the police station. And you know where the police station is? And, and he said, yes, I do. I used to work with very carefully with the police and our intelligence services, the Mukhabarat in that police station. And so I said, at that time, I said, okay, uh, now we're going to search your house. And the, the wife immediately panicked. The wife was standing there and she said, please don't take our money. And I, I said, well, uh, we won't take your money, but the thing is, is this, we need to search your home. And so, and so, so I asked two, two uh, military policemen to escort them out. And at that point, I'm, oh, can, can you, can you stop, pause it for a second? Sure. Okay. Okay. Ready to go. Okay, go ahead. Okay, and so anyway, I we were in Abu Sager's home, and and I was looking at the, the the information that was there, you know, different office records and files and so forth, and I I walked into his. I everybody else was going to his office. I went in. I thought, well, we better check his bedroom. So walk. I walked into his bedroom. And uh, the situation was, was that I, I thought, okay, where would somebody that is, a, is the banker of Saddam Hussein, where would he put money? It'd be the last, last place you would expect it. So I walked over, uh, um, opened an ormois cabinet, you know, which is very big, took up the whole side of, of the wall of his bedroom, opened it up, and there were about seven large bushels. Sorry, go ahead. Seven large bushels of, of, of cosmoline wrapped, cosmoline wrapped bundles. Jeez. And, and that was, let me see, one was at the time euros American dollars and dinar, Iraqi dinar. And there were about six to seven of these. And each one was the size of a bundle of hay. Okay. Wow. All right. And so each one weighed about between 45 to 50 pounds plus. And they were wrapped in cosmoline. And, 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 and I turned around and the wife, here comes the wife, wild-eyed, and I just asked one of our MPs to escort him out, but here she was right there, and she was in a panic. She said, please, don't take it. This is all our money that we have. If, 
if you take it, we'll have nothing. And so I, I, you know, as you can imagine, my patience was growing short with the military police when I had asked, asked her to be escorted out, both Sager and, and, and placed in a Humvee and guarded. So to make a long story short, I, I, we took the money under guard, under guard, and that's a very important thing to mention. It was all under guard as a evidence chain. We were establishing an evidence chain on, on the banker of, of Saddam Hussein. And surprise, okay, needless to say, the money was taken to the police station under armed guard, and, and then Abu Sager was taken under armed guard to the police station. And I thought, well, okay, that's the end of this evening. Well, it wasn't. That opened up a whole new epic, okay, in, 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 in warfare. Well, right. how much money was it, first of all? Well, we, after we took that money, and it, I had to have six to seven people counting it, physically counting it, you know, through the night. That's how long it took. They had to count it through the night, and then they recorded everything in the evidence chain. And and I was, I had got a knock on the door. I was in speaking to Abu Sager. I was in the conference room. They knocked on my door and they said, and they said, at this point, right now, you have, there is, each bundle has an American dollars and euros and dinar, okay? The American bundle has um, uh, uh, oh, seven, 70, $75 million. Oh, in, oh, I right. thought. 40 million, it's not 40 million then, it was 70. Right, okay. Well, that was 40 million was American, and then the Euro pile, okay, and then the dinar. Oh, so that was all together 75 million. Right, okay. But the thing was, is is I said, oh, okay, all right. And, and I said, can we, and we, so we used our intelligence systems to convert what that was in, in US dollars. All of it would be related to U.S. dollars, and we use my human, what's called a human, a CHIM system. Okay, I'm sorry. the The CHIM system is that stands for Counter Human Intelligence Management System. And so, we converted the money, and I said, "Okay, lock it up under under lock lock and key," because I know what's going to happen. This money, especially with our, with our American people there, they're going to steal it, you know, under armed guard. No one's supposed to take their arm, you know, eyes off this storage site. And, and, and of course, everybody shook their head very solemnly and said, yes, we're going to guard it. And, and, and the reason I mentioned this was that the, this commander, my commander, Lieutenant Colonel Lion Ryan, that's his name, Lion Ryan, okay, uh, he, he got wind of it, he shows up, and, and the thing was, is, surprise, it my mysteriously disappeared. Lieutenant Colonel Ryan and his second-in-command, who, who is on the court case, uh, his name was Victor Artiga, okay, the 
the graduate of the School of the Americas, but after they had arrived, the money disappeared. Okay. Sorry. Okay. And so his name is Timothy, right? Timothy Ryan. Everybody. <laughs> right. Timothy Drew Ryan. But, but that's what his nickname was. Anybody who knew him, they called him Lion Ryan. So, so, they, so the 75 million disappears. Yes. And, but that was, that was, I thought, well, that was it. Sure, it's going to disappear. I can believe that. Okay. Well, I, the Sheikh, later on, the Sheikh, show, uh, he came specifically because he'd heard about the raid and, and the arrest of Abu Sager. He came to me and he said, okay, how much money did you get from Abu Sager? And I said, I, 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 had, I had the breakdown of finances. And he said, he kind of laughed. And I said, what, what, why, what is the problem, Sheikh? And uh, he says, goes something like this. He said, I know because I helped move, I helped and my personnel in my bank helped him move about that number plus at least underneath the floorboards of his home, at least $650 million were under his floorboards. And, and so I recommend, he, he, and he said it, he said, take a team of engineers and go and pry up all underneath all the floorboards of that home. It'll be worth your while. And, and as I understand, yes, they did. And they found uh, uh, approximately $750 million with what was found underneath the floorboards and according to all the accounting ledger sheets that the that the that the shake provided, was that's how much money was there. That was traveling money for Abu Sager. Wow. So what so, happened to the money? Okay. So that would be a good question. I'd like to ask my command because I noticed almost immediately. Okay, after the evening with, with uh, Abu Sager and all the revelations that were coming as a result of Abu Sager, uh, the oil, oil for money, um, what was it? Oil for, yeah. Oil, oil for money. Oil for and, food. Uh, I'm sorry. You went oil for food and the Halliburton right. Shaw game. Yeah. Right. By the way, Abu Sager was in charge of the oil for food oh. program. Okay. Oh, interesting. So, and, and the thing was, is even though he came across as a white-haired, kindly gentleman, but the sheikh informed me, he said, understand this, is that when you say Mukhabarat, Mukhabarat is the counterintelligence service of Iraq, and, you, and he said, you people should know this, is because that's the counterintelligence service of Saddam Hussein, and as a result, as a result, um, Abu Sager was the chief, was the operational uh, command control of, of the Mukhabarat. Okay. So what okay. happened to his money? So <laughs> you, you, say, you say that like, like I should know, okay? Well, the thing was, is that surprise when, when he was, when we captured him, took him into the station, the my command shows up the next day 
and all of a sudden, no more money. Including the 750 million? Right, right, well, exactly. That's a hell of a move. That's moving a lot of money. That is, that's it. And, and remember, uh, there was, oh, I have something to say. Pause it for a sec. Okay. Okay. Okay, so you say the money disappeared. Your, you know, your command got a hold of the money. It disappeared. But then um, Brigadier General Janice Karpinski had a very interesting uh, experience uh, when at in the green zone that um, I wish you'd talk about because it possibly it's it is possibly connected to where the money may have gone right okay well <laughs> um like i say I, I hate to i hate to go down one, one road because it always leads into five other roads on this story right so, so i was talking speaking to janice the general karpinski i was telling her how i'd been renditioned and uh, and of course uh, she was horrified, you know, that her in intelligence operative was subjected to this. But the thing was, and, and then she, I specifically gave her the information about Colonel Pappas and Lieutenant Colonel Ryan and how they were going to try to set Janice Karpinski up to have her take the fall for the whole situation. Uh, what the, that's the situation at the, the torture situation. Torch, the torture situation, my rendition, and Abu Ghraib. Yeah, but that's but what I'm talking about is is when she ran into a C-130 on the runway in the green. Right, oh, right. exactly. Oh. And so and <laughs> and so the situation goes as she called me one day. She called me and said, "I think I found out what happened to your 750 million." And, and I said, look, look, General, you know, I, I know what happened to it. And she says, yeah, Ryan, Lion Ryan and Colonel Pappas. And I said, well, yes, but, she, but, but then she said, well, you, you, you are guaranteed by military law, by government law to have a finder's fee for that, for that uh, amount. And yeah, I, that's a 20%. The False Claims Act is a 20% uh, fine. Right, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Oh. Thank you. And so, and so I'm still waiting for my check from the government, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. All right. And, and so the thing was, is then uh, she said, well, I, I had a very interesting situation in the green zone, the infamous green zone. Okay. Which, which was just near Balad. Okay. And right. she actually... She said she was on 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 the tarmac, and that's where that's where I was loaded up on a stretcher, strapped to a stretcher, uh, on onto a plane. Okay, was Balad, but she said she she said, "What is this plane doing, you know, in my area of command, my AO as they call it?" And she walked on board. She walked on board and said, "Who who are you people? What are you doing here?" And she said. All she could see from the in, in, internal cargo area was massive amounts of money wrapped up in Cosmoline uh, package, like what Abu Sager had, one of his packets. 
was was the whole cargo area was filled with what are called money packets. That's the official name for it, money packets. And and I and I said, well, what what did they say, General? And she said, well, I think I found out what happened to your 750 million, how it was shipped out. Okay, I said it was shipped out. She said, absolutely. Okay, it was loaded up onto this plane, and this plane makes what they what they what what do they call it? Oh, they they call it the money the the money run the greenback run the green zone. They called it the green zone Cypress Express. Right, right. Because from there, from that, thank you, from that from that uh, runway, they would leave uh, Balad, Iraq, and they would fly into Cyprus, okay, and and they would, and there from there they would they would have several armored trucks, and that would pick up the money from that Cyprus Express, and they would ship it to. There were three different banks, as I understood it, three different banks, you know, that were taking that money, the American money, to three different accounts. Whose accounts? Oh, well, let me see. Uh, you can take your pick, okay? Uh, whoever, as I understood it, whoever was helping us, as in, I heard the name Tony Blair. Oh my God. Okay. And, and there were a couple of other, you know, accounts where that money went. By the way, she, the other thing that Karpinski noticed on the paperwork was that there, this, the removal of this money, uh, this, this flight had been authorized by Paul Bremer, head of the- Yes, uh, that is correct. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, Paul Bremer, okay. Of course, and Paul Bremer, when you say Paul Bremer, you say Bush family. Right. Okay. Uh, Dresser Industries, 9-11, uh, um, uh, uh, the 9-11 the uh, attacks, and it was Paul Bremer who, who specifically was not there when, the when his buildings were attacked and all of his personnel that worked for him were also killed. Oh, he had a, an office in the World Trade Center. Right, that, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, the fact that he was in charge of the, um, of the coalition's provisional authority, meaning he right. was like the head of Iraq. So he was overseeing all this removal of assets uh, from Iraq. I thought, I thought that was very interesting. Yes. Now, the, the, I, I actually have a report, specific report, from a Henry Waxman. Yes, Congressman. Senator Henry, Henry Waxman. And he actually authorized an investigation. And yeah. I, I, I noticed that it was very odd. He had the investigation into the money packet flights, you know, the Cypress Express. And, and uh, as it turns out, okay, that yes, he, he, he confirmed all this information that your listeners are now receiving. Uh, he, 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 he confirmed that. And the thing was, is that yes, uh, it was green zone money. And yes, it was going to those accounts. 
uh, but it was American. That was the biggest thing was millions of dollars every day in these money packets were going to these accounts in Cyprus. Uh, I, I forget that the, there was like three banks, three accounts, okay, that he was going to. So, but I know I heard the, I heard the term, I heard the name, Tony Blair. Wow. And of course it, it would make sense that Mr. Blair, which, and, and I, I want to point this out, uh, Mr. Blair authorized the, uh, the plasma uh, jets, the plasma destruction of, of the weapons of mass destruction that I found in Iraq that the British took, took those canisters and fed those into the plasma uh, furnaces. Oh, so that but, was done by the Brits. Yes, okay. and, that, and that, was, that was the reward that Mr. Blair received for getting rid of those, of those weapons of mass destruction canisters. So why don't you talk about the Halliburton shell game? I thought that was an interesting way for them to make money. <laughs> Okay, well, everything kind of kind of dims when you realize the amount of money that was being taken. Right, right. Now, you know, uh, as as the situation happened, and I don't I don't want to I don't want to name names, particularly, but I'll give positions. Okay. Okay. Right. And so, and so this happened with in Kuwait City. And I had I had had not heard anything about this. In Kuwait City, there was uh, you know it's a large shipping port, and and as as I understand, the shipping port was, uh, um, let me see, it was sending. Uh, and and okay, I have to keep the sequence right. It's very confusing. Okay, right. of course Halliburton put it put it all together okay so this so what happened was was that um, this situation was is that the harbor master said that every day they were having super tankers uh, fuel up okay uh, fuel up uh, with with specific sulfur clean sulfur high grade uh, sweet oil from Iraq okay and 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 the the issue being is that no one knows this but iraq is is by far the largest exporter of oil sweet oil so low sulfur that's very content. clean very clean oil yes right right low yeah. sulfur and and it was being being loaded up on virtually anything that they could carry that could carry oil it was being loaded up Okay, and I, I thought, oh, okay, that stands. That probably is your typical, you know, high tech, you know, petroleum piracy project. Okay, that that's what I thought. Okay, well, it's rather diabolical. Okay, and so what happened was, was that this oil was being was being loaded up, and being sent to uh, a couple of refinery sites in the U.S. And I guess there were so many shipments of oil that there were virtually like a like a traffic jam coming into these these 
these sites, specific sites. And I thought, oh, okay. Where were right. they? Do you know? Uh, a couple of them were in like North Carolina. And, and, and he had mentioned one in the Bahamas of all places. And, 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 and there were a couple more that I don't remember where. Okay. But, but the thing was, this is what's important about that was those ships surprise. They took the oil. They didn't offload the oil into American ports. And okay. the thing was, okay, why didn't, why wouldn't they offload the oil into American ports? Well, they were taking a GPS fix at that location and sending off to, you know, maritime control and maritime shipping and so forth. And, and they stated that they were offloading the oil to those, to those refineries. Well, it turns out, no, they weren't offloading that oil. They were turning right around, weighing anchor after 24 hours, okay, uh, of GPS uh, positioning. They were running uh, full steam ahead all the way back to, to, the, um, to the port of Kuwait City. Put me on hold. Okay, so. Okay, so they weren't being offloaded. They weren't being offloaded in the States and the Bahamas. They just waited 24 hours and then turned them around, sent them right back to Kuwait City. Is that correct? That's correct. And they, but they made, they made sure that a GPS uh, location and site was filed every time. Right. Right. And so, but it, but it appeared to be that every shipment and, and the thing was is Halliburton had chartered virtually every available boat on the high seas to carry bulk cargo. So, and so what they did was they, these ships, they burned rubber as, as was described, they burned rubber back to Kuwait city. They offloaded the oil. Okay. They're in Iraq. Okay. A big loop they made. All right. So what they did was they charged the American people, the amount of money, uh, the taxes, of course, to ship, this oil back to you know, back to the U.S., where they didn't they charged the Americans American people that money they didn't offload it and then they sent it back they shipped it back to Kuwait City where they processed it turns out they they processed the oil they offloaded the oil processed the oil cracked it into the different components of oil okay. Fuel, jet fuel, kerosene, all that, all that, they 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 broke it into the into the components because, and you're probably wondering why, is because American uh, American refineries are all antiquated, were antiquated then, but there were the what three refineries that they had in Iraq were all what they call Uber refineries, all super refineries, super modern, well run, well put together. All right, so. So the, these products then were used, okay, and of course they passed the they passed the cost onto the American taxpayer again. Both places, all right, and so then they turned right around with with the finished products, and they had approximately most people don't realize this there were at least four to five other 
wars going on at that time in Africa, Somalia, okay, it's places like this, besides, besides Iraq, all right? And so this, this paid for, this paid for at a markup, they said a markup at least 300%, like per gallon, gallon of fuel, okay, 300%, passed on to the Americans, of course, and, and the thing was, is that's what provided our fuel for Iraq, okay, and all the other uh, wars that we had going on in the Horn of Africa. So Halliburton charged us to bring the oil to the United States, and then they charged us to take it back to Iraq and sell it to Iraq. And and use and sell the Iraq. It, sell it. They charged. They charged the U.S. government to go and uh, and ostensibly to refine it in the United States, where they didn't refine it. Right. Then exactly. they charged the taxpayer to send it back to Iraq. Then they refined it, and the taxpayer, of course, paid basically both, paid for it twice. Both ends, and and then it was a markup of at least three hundred percent per unit when it when all that fuel went into, say, a tank, for example. A tank, okay. Uh, you know the American taxpayers were paying three to four hundred percent markup per gallon of tank fuel, diesel yeah. fuel, yeah. right? Okay, and 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 so everybody, everybody except the American taxpayer made money on that. Okay, uh, that just I mean I I hope smoke is coming out of everybody's ears because it's coming out of mine. I mean that's just crazy. I that's 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 got to be criminal too. Yes, yeah. and that that information came from the harbor master of Kuwait City. So what about the UN's oil for food program? What were they doing with that? <laughs> okay. Well, let me see. Um how many Lamborghinis could Saddam Hussein's sons buy, okay, with the Oil for Food Project, okay? Well, as I understood, and this came from right from the mouth, the lips of Abu Sager, was that he was responsible for, the, you know, the selling of oil for food, okay? And he set the whole thing up, exactly, directly and exactly, all right? And so, and, and, and the thing was, is, is as I understood it, is everything that he told me about the oil for food, incredibly corrupt, indescribably corrupt. But the thing was, that's that's who everybody was making money off of there in Iraq. You know, uh, members of the of the Hussein family, of course, Chemical Ali and everybody else. But the thing was, is they, you know, is is um, Abu Sager controlled it, watched it, and then there was something he had mentioned something at that point, okay, and and I can't rem and I can't remember, but he, he told me exactly what it what it was was that was that the Bank of Iraq, that's how they pay, were paying for the weapons of mass destruction. That's Can how they UN's oil for food program. Right, exactly. So what would happen? I mean, they would get the money and, and basically siphon it off. Is that is that what the deal was with that? They would get the money from where? From from the uh, 
well, from the UN, I guess, right? Right. Well, the, the money UN. from. But but the thing was is then it, it would all it, it would always go into the Bank of Iraq. There was a branch right there in Samara, and and so and, and so whatever they needed to do if they were going to transfer you know purchase gold, okay, where they were going to purchase weapons, all that money, food food for oil. In other words, in other words, they were uh, Saddam Hussein was charging charging his own people for food. Okay. And then, and then the money was being placed in, in bank accounts for like weapons, weapons purchase and so forth. Now, you know, you mentioned something very interesting because you said there, there was actually little cash, not very much cash involved in this. And instead uh, they were actually given the, um, equipment they needed to actually print American money? Yes, my goodness, your information is up to date. Okay. And, and this is what I, I understood from Abu Sager was that at the time, but by the way, he after he spoke to me, just like the Sheikh, you know, it, it sounds disastrous, but uh, Abu, Abu Sager died almost immediately after after he gave me this information. Well, he didn't just die, he... Well, yeah, he was beaten to death by CIA interrogators, right. all right? And and one of the things I had to do, one of the, one of the shocks I have in my system right now is I had, I was asked by several members of our command because we knew he, our, our group knew that we had picked him up picked up Abu Sager, knew he was taken, and they said something was wrong with Abu Sager. We went down to Abu Ghraib, building 1A, Abu Ghraib, and, and, and uh, the rest was history. All I could see was, was, uh, uh, was Abu Sager, two-thirds dead, and he'd been beaten dramatically on the, with the back of the head, a blow to the back of the head, which, ca which caused him to have what was called, as I, I would describe it, contra coup, okay? Where he was hit in the back of the head and it actually caused, like, I, believe it, I believe it was the left side of his head and his right eye orbit was actually extending out of his head. Oh. He was unconscious and he was actually experiencing what was called chain stokes breathing, breathing patterns. And I, well, I that's knew, what like that's like when you're dying, right? Like the yes. all the death rattle, like you you stop breathing and then all of a sudden you take a breath and you breathe a little bit and then you stop breathing for right. a long time. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. He was on a stretcher and and uh, the thing was is I I, I wasn't sure because I knew the tension and the drama around this man was just overwhelming. Okay. And so I knew something was, he was, he wasn't going to live probably the night, but, it, but surprise, I got word that the hospital there in Balad, okay, he was at Abu Ghraib when I saw him last, but the thing was at the, the field hospital, a, <clears throat> a, a uh, very Anglo looking man arrived with an SUV, all right, opened the tailgate 
and dumped Abu Sajer onto the steps of the field hospital there in, in Balad. Okay. Wow. And, that's, and that's the last time I, I saw, saw or heard anything to do with Abu Sajer. So let, let's talk about, I want to talk about those plates. It's funny because um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. Uh, very, it's a very popular uh, international global criminal uh, TV show called Blacklist. And no, I, I haven't heard of it. On I one imagine. Of the, on one of the episodes, the guy gets paid. Uh, he, he gets his money not in cash, but in plates and i thought oh that's interesting that's it they probably picked it up from somebody's reporting about these plates in the un right. for oil for so uh, explain to me who could possibly allow plates for making american currency plus the paper for making the american currency plus the dyes everything how again who can authorize such a thing? Well, let me see. You know, like I say, I, I'm just I'm just a humble civil servant. So I'm 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 yeah, only you're a humble civil servant, but you have run into a lot of unhumble situations, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> and as I understand, yes, you're absolutely correct about the pressure plates that were used, you know, to pr print money. All right. The pressure plates that were used. The specific, what is it, cotton paper? You know, it has to be a certain a tensile strength cotton paper. All of this, that had to be authorized by the CIA and George H.W. Bush. All of it. God, who has those plates now? Well, I mean, I don't know, but I, I've talked to I have talked to different people from the Treasury. Okay, and. Uh, and, and and they and they said it was just that was too amazing. I said I don't know. They said well, that as a result, though, as far as they knew, that that's why the the paper printing process went to a 3D uh, stamp of some sort of permit stamp that is stamped on on every single dollar, okay, or or monetary currency, but it's a 3D. Uh, and they changed. They changed it after this. Right, and they yes, as a result, wow. because because all that money was turned loose, you know, virtually unlimited, turned loose in the world. They had banking systems. Remember, Iraq had the Bank of Iraq. Okay, for example, and and so all that money could get into the U.S. U.S. system without any problem. And any European system without any problem, so that, that that's why I understood was that because they realized that that Iraq did have did have this access to these pressure plates was that is that they had to convert uh, convert the currency to a th the 3D um, stamp system stamping system, so. For lack of a better description about what I what what happened and what they said, that's 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 what it came about was just about the time when they realized that yes, Iraq did have this capability of producing virtually unlimited uh, accounts of money, and they also, by the way, I just now thought of this, you know, right now as I'm saying this, is that 
is that it was no problem print that money up and then put it on an airplane and fly it into uh, different banking systems like you know Malta and Cyprus. What is going on in Cyprus? I mean, why is Cyprus such a, why is Cyprus the jumping off point? Well, I don't know, but all I know is that they have $750 million that I have 20%, a legitimate claim on 20% of, okay? So they can write me a check. Cyprus, what was it, Famagusta, okay? Uh, you know, the banks there, they can, they can write me a check anytime well, what, they want. What happened when you tried to reclaim the, the money? Uh, I knew better. You know, no, but all... no, but if you legitimately were supposed to get it, what happened? You you said, okay, I, I'm entitled to 20% of this money. Uh, and what well, were you told by whom? It's real simple. Okay, for your listeners, I want you to listen out very carefully. You know, surprise, within a few hours after all this money was discovered and exchanged with Abu Sager, okay, the banker of Iraq, and, and by the way, he, he did tell me he, he didn't have much, much, much life left, okay? You know, when he I knew, said goodbye- He knew he was a dead man walking. When I, when I, when I said goodbye to Abu Sager, uh, he looked around and this was in the city of Tikrit. Okay, that's, that's where Saddam Hussein was supposedly captured. But he looked around and he said, my goodness, he said, history goes full circle for me. And I said, why is that? And we were sitting in a, in a palace. It was made, made from cut pink quartz, okay? And, and, and he said, my, my daughter designed this palace right here. Wow. And, and so I, I said, well, I shook his hand and he actually, he, of all things, he said, here, I want you to have this. And he, he gave me a ring, all right? And it, it was like an it, old, very old, uh, ancient amber, amber colored ring. And he said, here, I want you to have this, just remember me. And, and I said, well, I have to leave now. And I said, I will check back in, in with you. And, and this, is, this is a point that, that uh, Janice Karpinski, I made with her, was that I, I walked back into the, the rest of the palace where we were, and, uh, and it, was, uh, it was the black marble palace the black Carrera marble palace, the in entire interior was black Carrera marble. And I walked back in and I looked, and I looked uh, across the main foyer of the palace and there was a big table. And, and I, I looked and I couldn't believe it. At the end of the table was a chair, was a big tall white chair with a gold leaf pattern on it. Well, that was the famous chair with Saddam Hussein taken of him sitting, you know, residing in a chair. Well, I will admit this on your show, all right, <laughs> that that I couldn't resist the temptation. I I crossed I crossed the black marble rotunda and I jumped into the chair. You sat I, on Saddam's throne. Sat on Saddam Hussein's chair, his, his <laughs> royal regal chair. I did, all right? So Shame you, on you. <laughs> make, make what you want, okay. And so, but the thing was, is after I sat in it, and of course, 
I didn't really notice any kind of mystical feeling or anything like that. But but the thing was is um, I returned after after um, sitting in the chair. I walked back and checked on Abu Sager, looked in, and and there he was sitting on sitting in an empty room, but there was a a rug, a, a big beautiful Persian rug there. He was sitting on it, and sitting right next to him was one of the top assassins assassins of the Mukhabarat for um, for Saddam Hussein. Wow. And and I almost had a heart attack because all I can see was that this guy probably had the assignment to snap uh, Abu Sager's head, neck, snap his neck. First chance he got was to, you know, to, to kill the banker of Saddam Hussein and, and this guy looked like he could do it, looked like he would do it. And so I walked in, walked up to him, and I picked up um, uh, Abu Sager. And, and I said, and I told the two MPs, I said, lock this guy up, put him in handcuffs. This is the assassin. And I said, do not, as I said before when I left, do not leave this man alone. This man right here, Abu Sager, do not leave him alone. He's too valuable, you know, uh, an intelligence asset. Do not leave him alone. Is that clear? And they all kind of looked at me, nodded their heads, and picked the assassin up and put him put him in custody. Okay. So that that was the beginning of the end. Okay, for Mr. Abu Sager, but that was the thing. All right, that was our last statement. Was to find find that our 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 services, our intelligence services, were making it very convenient to quiet, to shut up Mr. Abu Sager. By the way, you, uh, it was intelligence given to you, if I'm not mistaken, that helped them find um, Saddam Hussein, right? Let me see. Uh, stop, I'll be right back. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. Wait. Okay. So what happened then, okay, in, in, in this particular reference is after I returned to Samara, uh, the, the Sheikh was waiting for me and he gave me the information concerning the 650 million in floorboards. And then he, and then he, he said, okay, um, let me see. I suppose you want me to tell you where Saddam Hussein probably is. And I said, well, do you know? He said, I don't know exactly because he's moving around. All right. But I, I know all the points where he moves around too. And so I, I said, okay, all right. What we're going to do, and I had, I had to get permission for, uh, for, to do this okay, from that useless, worthless command of mine, okay, and, uh, and, and I, I went to him, and I said, okay, all right, we need to use what, what is called a falcon view, and a falcon view is, is basically a system that they can do it with either a, a drone or a certain type of airplane, 
you know, but it, it takes place you know, and, it, and it photographs an area to a, between a 10 digit and an eight digit coordinate fix. And so, so what we had to do was, and, and that's of course against all regulation normally to let, to let an asset see this, okay? Because like I say, it, a 10 digit coordinate is right down to a square foot uh, of area land. And so he, he said, okay. And I had all the, all the potential uh, positions for eight digit coordinate that Saddam Hussein could be. And we went down very systematically, went down every single position and you know, where every bunker was, every hidden area, okay. Any, any kind of hide that Saddam Hussein would use that, that the Sheikh would know about, okay. And we had between seven and, seven and nine, seven, between seven and nine um, sites that were selected, okay, that he knew about, he knew Saddam Hussein would be in, okay? And so we recorded all those and made, made a fix of all those sites. And he said, I'm absolutely sure that he would be in any one of these. And so, and so he said, because it's so dramatic, uh, uh, what the issue is right now is you need to have me, physically have me, at each site, and and which it which wasn't a problem. We could have take him in a Humvee under guard, okay, to each site. All right. And so, and another thing too, by the way, is and I can say this with a Falcon view that can take a, a take a, a picture of any place on the Earth, but it can take a picture uh, two hours before what was going on there, and two hours after that site, okay? So, so uh, he said, now I understand he's gonna be underground and it's gonna be very carefully hidden, these sites. And I said, okay, fine. I'll go ahead, I'll go ahead and send this report. And, and of course I sent it to the halfwits that were in my command, okay? And, and who were certified morons. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize at the time that they were too busy making off with that set, you know, $750 million. Okay, they were busy with that. And the last thing that they wanted to hear from me was, okay, we have a fix by the, by the person who is the sheikh who understands all there is to know in Salahuddin province. Okay, they didn't want to hear that, and they they made all kinds of sneering laughs, you know, laughter and 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 big jokes about the whole thing. How I I I'd caught Saddam Hussein, ha ha, laugh laugh, and 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 by the way, I believe that that portion is actually in the Supreme Court record. That that portion. There you go. We got to leave it at that. Okay. Thank My you pleasure. so much. Part three is coming up. Okay. <laughs> Thanks well, so much, Greg. Thank you so much. All right. Thank Christina. you. Greatly appreciate it. Bye.